And we're back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. We roll into December here, December 2nd. I woke up this morning and it was 38 degrees here in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. There was frost on the ground. I know, I know a lot of you got some snow on the ground. You can't play. I'm going to probably play a little bit of golf this afternoon. High of 50. It's going to be breezy, though. It's going to be chilly. And uh, my guest here uh, today might be playing golf. I'm not sure. Either outdoor, maybe indoor. He's up there in the uh, in the Northeast. Uh, you recognize him from uh, a long tenure uh, on ESPN. Someone that uh, that I watched a bunch on Golic and Wingo. He was the host of NFL Live, NFL on ESPN Radio, and he joins me here today, Trey Wingo. Trey, thanks for uh, getting up with me. Uh, listen, great to be with you, and my heart bleeds for your 56 degrees today because <laughs> we're looking at about a high of 41, crosswinds of about 20 miles an hour. But I have a standing rule. As long as the sun is out and there's no precip- precipitation falling and the wind is below 15 and the temperature is above 40, I will play golf. Nice. I like that. I yeah. like those rules. You, well, you know the wind changes everything, right? Yeah. If, if it's windy... 40 feels like 24. So that that's, that's just not good for anybody. Well, so as long as we can hover on 40 and the sun's out with not a howling wind, I'm good to go. Well, that's why I mentioned the breeze because the breeze, yeah, it's 57, but it's going to feel like 49, but that's neither here or there. Let's, uh, let's get into some stuff here. I know you've got uh, some new ventures going on, Trey, um, a new podcast. It's called the half forgotten history and it launches this week. Tell us about it. Yeah. It launches uh, on Wednesday, which is today when we're recording this. So it's, it's pretty cool. Like, one of the one of the funnest things about my job of all time was just sitting around and talking shop with all these guys that I either watched or worked with that played in the NFL forever. And it, it just sort of dawned on me that, you know, half the great stories that we talk about were, were never in front of a camera or in front of a microphone. They were in the green room before we went to go on air or maybe when we were out at the Hall of Fame or at the Super Bowl, out to dinner with a cocktail in our hands. They let loose with some of these stories that were just impossible to believe. And I was like, people need to hear these things, man. Mm-hmm. So we, we decided to start this show called Half Forgotten History. It's brought to, it's brought to you by our makers, Mark Sponsor, Safe Farm, and McDonald's. Great to have them on board. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the whole premise is we sit down over a glass and tell some of these great stories that people don't know, like how the greatest lie that was ever told at the time turned out to be the truest statement in the history of football. Uh, how the Colts almost had a team mutiny before their first Super Bowl appearance, uh, how Victor Cruz actually decided to make that infamous boat photo with all the Giants wide receivers. <laughs> uh, it's just really fun stuff. It, it's stuff that, that we would always talk about late night somewhere after after a day's work, just chopping it up and laughing. And that's the whole premise of the show. Yeah, I can't wait to, to listen to this. It's called uh, Half Forgotten History. And the first one, the first episode launches today. That's what you're saying? Yeah, it launches today with Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, and his wow. story is amazing because, I mean, I, I, you assume that everybody knows his story, but, like, he got cut from the Packers and was actually, you know, stocking groceries at a Hy-Vee grocery store in, 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 in Ames, Iowa, and then tried to figure out how to get to where he wanted to be, and the ups and downs are really incredible. It's, it's pretty fun. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Seahawks fan. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so I know a thing or two about playing in cold weather. and you know, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl back in 2013, and rumor has it Percy Harvin punched Golden Tate in the face the night before. And I can't confirm that's neither here or there, but that's the kind of stories that I would imagine you're going to be telling. 
Yeah, those are exactly <laughs> the kind of stories, and, and I've heard those exact same things too. Uh, I, I have not, I've, I've yet to have someone tell me, okay, here's how it all went okay. down. <laughs> But you're pretty close to accurate from what I understand. <laughs> I can only imagine, right, yeah. stories from these NFL players. You spent a lot of time with Mike Golick. And, um, you know, I've watched Golick for, for many years, of course, growing up. And um, I, I can just only imagine, like, off air. I've done some live television at Golf Channel. And just like these little nuggets that these players throw out. And, right, and you just kind of, you probably, you just look at them and you're like, wait, what did you just say? You know, yeah. They, you have to tell that on air. So that's the kind of stuff that uh, we're going to we're going to listen to on your on your podcast. I can't wait to listen and tune in. I want to turn to golf a little bit because I know you're a big golf fan, right? And yep, you play absolutely. as much as, as you can. And, you know, through this pandemic, golf was all we had there for a while. And the game really thrived through this pandemic. If there was a silver lining Great fields. We're going into a super season. What were some of the storylines that stood out for you this year as you were watching professional golf? Well, it's, it's, it's funny, Travis, because really there's two, there's two things there, right? Professional golf bloomed, but recreational golf also bloomed. I mean, it was the one thing you could do during the pandemic where you could actually get outside, be socially distanced, and do something with somebody else. And for an average foursome, they're going to get together on the tee, stand six feet apart, one guy will hit it in the middle, two guys will hit it left, one guy will hit it right, we'll meet you on the green, right? So it wasn't just professional golf that bloomed. Recreational golf, amateur golf, just you know, leisurely rounds of golf took off. And I think golf is really going to benefit from that. But to your point about professional golf, it's the only thing, it's one of the few things where the ratings have gone up you know, in, in, in television viewing. Most everything has fallen or is at best stable, uh, including the NFL. And golf has really had double digit growth and you're right like the first thing i remember watching was the match between peyton and tom and phil and tiger which was incredible even though it was in pouring rain then they had the uh uh the, the other one at, at seminole which was mm -hmm. incredible and so that sort of whetted our appetite but but to me the whole thing was watching uh bryson dechambeau turn into franken golfer you know <laughs> i mean that's you know we, we come up with a million nicknames from phil thickelson Jack thickness, uh, Bryce DeChambeau flex, you know, the beef hammer, you know, all, all these things you wanted to come up with. Uh, but to watch him just suddenly come back with like 35, 40 pounds, most of it muscle, some of it not, let's be honest to I me, mean, you know, it's not like he got ripped. He just got big. And those are two different things. But then watching him sort of overpower golf courses, I, I think, has been sort of fun because golf needs villains, right? The problem with golf sometimes is they're all the same. They're all you know, these, these country club kids and they're really nice young men, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. You need a little edge. And Bryson gave us an edge. You either loved him or you hated him. And, and I think that was part of the appeal of golf when it returned this summer on the professional side of the PGA Tour. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the villain, uh, I think kind of Brooks Kepka stepping into that realm a little bit with, you know, he's kind of brash and in, in, in your face. Patrick Reed, I think, yep. uh, is in that. So I, I agree. I like this villain role. And I kind of like generally just kind of where the game is going. I think the edge is starting to come off just a little bit. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And I think that's, I think that's really good for the sport. So it, it was cool to see the PGA tour get out in front, create this bubble. They were really the first to do it. It's been a huge success. How would you explain your relationship with your game around the game of golf? 
that, well, it's the most complex relationship anyone <laughs> has, right? I say this to people all the time and they don't understand it. Like, if I went out there and played great all the time, I don't think I'd enjoy it as much. And I know that sounds ridiculous. But like, for example, I, I'm a nine, which is like the worst handicap you can be, right? Because you you think you should hit all the shots the right way all the time, and you do them about 50% of the time if you're a nine. So that to me is part of the the complexity of the game. I can go out and, and for six straight holes, play like I know what I'm doing. And then for three or four straight holes, what just happened? <laughs> Where did the swing go? Why am I doing this when I was just doing it correctly, you know, five, 10 minutes ago? That, that to me is is the nature of the game. And, it, and Randall Shambly, who is a good friend of mine, and I'm sure you've worked with him a little bit, you know, he always talks about, I'm always amazed by the golf swing because I can go out day after day and it never really is the same, even though I'm the same guy doing it. And I'm trying to do the same things I did, uh, you know, yesterday, the day before, and sometimes it just doesn't work. So that to me is the beauty of the game. And like, you know, they always say boring golf is the best golf because that means you just know what you're doing and you're out there, you're hitting fairways, you're hitting greens, all that kind of stuff. But the inability to comp- to always hold and find that boring golf, I think, is one of the things that makes the game so appealing and frustrating at the same time. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And uh, do you get, like, you look at Dustin Johnson, right? And you yeah. look at how dominant he was down the stretch, obviously winning the Masters, but the domination started well before that. Sure. And does it make you feel better when he shoots 80-80 like he did yeah. just before that stretch? Right. Like, it's incredible. And, and, you know, one of my favorite sports movies of all time is Bull Durham. And, you know, the the, the rookie pitcher out there played by Tim Robbins was Ebby Kelvin, Nuke Lelouch. And he wanted to do all these things. And Kevin Costner came up to him as the veteran catcher and said, don't think, just pitch. And I think sometimes that's best describing golf and sometimes describing guys like Dustin and Kepka. Don't mm-hmm. think, just go out there and do it. Because like all of us, if we're not really thinking about it, can go on the range and hit almost every shot we want. <laughs> but then we're on the course and we have to think about crap. And all of a sudden you turn into jello. <laughs> you know, you shake your head and you can feel the wobbly stuff moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. So you like, there's no explanation for Dustin Johnson to shoot 80-80 and then do what he did at the Masters except one word golf you know there's there's no other way to describe how you can have those wild discrepancies with some of the greatest players in the world but it's it's the it's the beauty of the game it's the frustration of the game and in a lot of ways it's the romanticism of the game for me you know it's funny like i i tell the story i'm a i'm a teacher i mean i I play to about a scratch you know maybe scratch one handicap i don't work on it that much and i'll play in these events and people look at me and they associate me with, well, you're on the PGA tour. And it's like, no, I'm not on the PGA tour. I am not a professional golfer, right? Yeah, those I'm, a guys, PGA, I'm a PGA professional. I'm not a tour professional. Those, those guys, are different things. Yeah, very different things. So I'll play two or three holes with each group, right? And in one group, I'll put together a couple birdies. And they're looking at me like, dang, like yeah. he's two under through three. And they're like, all right, guys, I'll see you guys later. Then I'll go to the next group, but I'm two over in that group. And they're looking at me like, you're teaching What's us? your problem? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a guy at the, at my club here who used to play on a mini tour uh, in the Nationwide Tour. He was a really good player. And the first time I played with him, we have three nines on my course. And the white nine, we have a red, white, and blue nine. The white nine is the toughest nine by far. The first time I played with him, he had five birdies on the on the white nine. And I'm like... Oh my God, you know, and then, you know, then I'll beat him on a couple of holes, but to, to, to the point of just that, that thin line, like he was pretty good. And he, you know, he played back when it was the nationwide tour and 
and and, and made a bunch of cuts. But he he tapped out. He he did the calculations once, and he's like, you know, I made you know close to two hundred grand one year. But then he calculated his expenses to travel, and they were exactly the same as his winnings. And he always he's always he always has this line. He says to me, he said, "I'm glad I wasn't just a little bit better, because if I had been a little bit better, I would have hung on for five more years and probably would have driven myself crazy." Yeah. There's a, there was a great book that came out, I think, in the late '90s called The Thin Green Line, which is about a kid uh, or, or a guy who, uh, you know, graduated from college and was in a, working in an investment firm in, in New York and, you know, was doing fairly well. So he took up golf and he started to shoot like in the mid 60s at his home course. And, you know, one day he shot a 64 and he's like, okay, I can do this. So he went and said, I'm going to try and take a year and a half off and be a professional golfer. And he tells the story of his first mini tour event he went down to in Florida and he got over the ball on the first tee and he was so nervous he almost missed the ball and it dribbled into a, a little pond right off the tee and and he went through his struggles of you know being a country club golfer or an amateur golfer and trying to make it as a professional and he said it's just impossible he said they're all great he said that's what he calls the thin green line it's just how close you are from being a really good amateur golfer to not having a bleeping chance or a clue as a professional golfer yeah yeah, that's uh, there. Gosh, there's so many stories like that. I see them here in Florida, especially in the winter as they get here and continue to work on their game and try to get their opportunity to go out there and make somewhat of a living and, and build some momentum. Because, the, you know, the reality is the guys that are on the line, they need a little bit of runway. And of course, yeah. the Corn Ferry Tour is going to give that. But that is so deep and so competitive. One of the things that, Trey, that I like about golf these days, and I think social media has helped it is to kind of get in touch with, you know, personalities like yourself, but athletes as well that play the game. I was just out in Scottsdale. There's a show coming out on Golf Channel. It's called the College um, Showcase. And we mm -hmm. had four of the top collegiate players with four athletes playing the game. And it was really cool. We pre-taped it. It, it. it airs December 16th on Golf Channel at, at 7 p.m. It's, it's a really cool show. And, and for the celebs, we had Darius Rucker there. Um, yeah, yeah. Who was fun just to talk about his game and, and what he's working on. Um, we had Rob Riggle and we had Brian Urlacher and Jerome Bettis. And mm -hmm. I had them on the podcast and we were talking about their journey in the game. And, and, and let me tell you something. Jerome can play. Like, oh, I played with Jerome. Yeah, Bus. Yeah, I played with Bus. What, he he doesn't get cheated on a single swing. Let's no. be clear about that. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't half throttle anything. No, no. He hits this nice little power cut out there. And Brian Erlocker can play. And we did a little practice round. I was out there with those two, and Erlocker just kept hitting these little finesse shots, like off these tight lies, 10, 15 yards up there with spin. And I just finally looked at him. I'm like, dang, like that's impressive. And he's like, yeah, it's not bad. I'm like, no, really. That is a very high level shot. They played like a five handicap, super competitive. And I'm, and I'm telling these guys like, look, you guys are playing at a high level. The average handicap is 16 for a male. You guys are doing just fine. And of course they have the same frustrations, you know, in the game as everyone else. Yeah. But I just love watching these athletes play the game and really get invested into it. Who, who are some of the, who are some of the celebs and athletes that, uh, that you've played with that maybe have surprised you a bit with their game? 
Well, I played with everybody that you mentioned except Riggle. Uh, so I, I played with Brian out of Whisper Rock, uh, and uh, Jerome obviously worked for us for a while, so we played a little bit. I played with Darius a bunch of times because he's good friends with uh, the Golics, so we've gotten together a bunch. But I would say the best golfer that's not a professional golfer that I've ever played with probably this was years ago when he played. Like, he doesn't play as much anymore. It's Trent Dilfer, the, the old quarterback. Yeah. I mean, when he hit the ball, it made a different sound. Mm. I mean, it just made a different sound. And I was fortunate to play with him at Cypress a couple of times in a couple of places. But Trent, could, when, he, when he was playing a lot, and he's not playing a lot anymore because he's got a lot of other things going on. But Trent was about as good as anybody uh, I've ever played with. Uh, he, he's been a lot of fun. But, you know, I, I've had a chance to play with a, a bunch of them over the years in a bunch of different places. And the thing that I always find interesting is that I think they all, if, they're, if you're a great athlete, the thing they love about golf is the competitiveness of it because yeah. it's the only sport you can play your whole life. And it's the only sport you can play your whole life competitively based on the on the uh, handicap system. And, and I think that's what they miss more than anything. Like, for example, when we talk to these guys in Half Forgotten History, like, the games are great, but they talk about the crap that goes down in the locker room after the game and all that kind of – that's what they miss more than anything else. And I think the guys that play golf – they miss the competitiveness. They they want to have the action on the line when it matters, and they love that. And and it's something that carries with them into retirement. That's why so many of them play it, because they, they, they miss the edge. They want the edge. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. How would you explain Mike Golick's golf game? <sighs> Developing. <laughs> now, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm taking some credit for this because when we started the show, he's like, we once okay once when I was filling in on Mike and Mike we had a you know, we were talking about how we we and I agree with this the hardest thing to do in professional sports is hit a hit professional pitching in baseball I don't think there's anything that's even close and I said to him you know the second hardest thing to do to me is to control your golf ball as a professional and you know find a way to to score consistently all the time and he looked at me is if I had just said, your wife is fat and all your kids are ugly. Like, I, it, was, it was the most egregious thing I could have said to him because he's like, what are you talking about, you moron? I'll sober or, or drunk, I'll shoot the same score. I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about, man. I'm not talking about you at a, at a charity pro. I'm talking about when money's on the line and you have to control. Like you said, Dustin Johnson can win the Masters running away and shoot 80-80. You know, I watched him throw away a chance to win the Open Championship in 2015 with Zach Johnson when we were out there covering it. But I've gotten him to become a golfer now, and I take real credit on this. Like, he cares about his score. Uh, he's taking lessons. He's doing all this. He never did that before. So his he has really, over the last two and a half years become much more invested in the results of his game and it's mm -hmm. paid off like we have this running joke because i've played for you know 20 plus years or 30 years now 
And I still don't have a hole in one. I've come close a bunch. Wow. And he taunts me all the time. I'm going to get one before you. And I'm going to let everyone know I got mine before you. And I said, that will break me. If you of all people get an ace before I get an ace. I just played in this skins game on Sunday here. Of course called Fleming Island. There were 16 mm-hmm. of us and there were two hole in ones. Get out of here. Yeah. People yeah. like that make me sick. I was I, playing a, I was, I was playing at a pro-am in, I don't say 2013, 2014, something like that. It's a Safeway Pro-Am up in Monterey, yep. uh, Bayonet and Black Horse, really tough course. And they had a lot of celebrities and former athletes there. And Lindsey Vaughn was there. And uh, we had just passed her and she had stopped in her cart, you know, Olympic skiing champion, gold medalist, multi-medalist, multi-Olympic champion. And we're like, everything okay? She goes, yeah, I just had to stop. I said, why? I just had my first hole-in-one. I just, you know, I've only been playing for like a week. And I looked at her and said, well, congratulations. I'm so happy for you, you know? And it's just, those people drive me crazy. Uh, I, I have, I, in 20, well, it was 2013, we we're out covering the Open Championship at Muirfield. And we played at this place called The Glen, not too far away down in Gullen with this guy that I was working with. And I love this guy, and I would never say his name because I respect him too much. His name is Mark Donaldson. He's the worst <laughs> golfer I've ever seen in my life. He's just a horrendous golfer. And I think the second or third hole was a par three, 223-yard uphill hole. He hit a shot that never left the ground. It never had any altitude at all, and it rolled into the cup. Yeah. He has a hole-in-one, and I don't have a hole-in-one. It It'll drives happen. me crazy. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Well, I, I promise this. I'm going to keep attempting. I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, you have to, right? I mean, this is, uh, like you said, you can play this for the, the rest of your life. It's going to happen, but it, it is maddening, right? Those those examples of oh my god that just don't get off the ground and or hit a tree or whatever. Yeah, and, and they go in. And, and, and they go in. And you, you bring up this, this notion of bad golf. One of the, my missions is to help these celebrities and athletes play the game better. And, and I work oh, you with said a bad golf. Amount. I thought you were going to talk about Eamon. Sorry. I thought you were going to talk about Eamon. When well, you said that's bad. kind of where I'm going here with a segue here. <laughs> and so I've come, I'm coming up with this list that I've been reaching out to and like, Hey, let me help you, you know, and, and let me, you know, send some video. That's technology these days. I teach a lot of people long distance. So on this list, of course, we've got, uh, you know, Charles Barkley is always, on that list. Although he oh looked God, better. Right. I could not believe how much better he played. Like he, he used to tell me, Trey, my swing is so bad. It's a speech impediment. I mean, you know, when he had that stop, yeah. I mean, because the funny thing was he was a good golfer. Then he had that horrendous pause where he just couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And now he's gotten to the point where he's getting through it again, which is great. I'm happy for him. Well, let me ask you, does Eamon need to be on that list? Eamon Lynch? Ugh. Listen, here's the problem with Eamon is he thinks too much. Like every time I'll play with him, he's like, I got a new golf swing. I got a new golf thought. I'm like, that's not helping you. Okay. You have too many thoughts. Only Tiger can do that. Only Tiger can change his swing 17 times and still win. Nobody else is going to do that. So I think the thing we need to do for Eamon is very simple. We need to find a way to have him complete a round of golf. Like every time I've played with him over the last four or five years, he won't finish around. He's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm like, come on, man. You know, and, and he's sort of that frustrating guy. He used to be really good. I mean, he used to really hit it. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, he's, he's stumbled a little bit. So, Eamon, I know you're listening. We love you and we care about you. Just finish 18 holes. Let's just try and finish 18 because that would be a, a new achievement for you and me. Is, uh, does Boomer need to be on that list? 
Base what? I don't know. <laughs> Boom Boom adopted natural golf for a while. I'm did not he sure really? Still, yeah, he did. He went full Mo Norman for a while. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but uh, I know that he was dabbling in that for a while. Well, who else needs to be on that list? Is there anybody else that comes to the top of your mind that um, – because I'm making notes here that perhaps – I need to reach out to here that we could. Well, uh, everybody needs fixing. The question is, a, do they want to be fixed, and, and b, can they take it? Right? Like, yeah. I'll, like if anybody wants to do anything with my swing, I'll say you can do anything what you want, but don't change my grip. Mm. Because don't change my grip. Because that that then becomes a, a a whole different dynamic. So I I have a very simple thing I'm trying to do when I when I'm playing. I just want to stay. My problem is I have a sway, and I know it's I know it's there, and I know I try and correct it. But like everyone said, well, I saw this and this. I'm like, yeah, but I swayed off the ball, so that's why all that other shit happened. You know what I mean? Right. If if you don't, if you if you if you move off the ball, you're toast. So my yeah. my big thing is trying to make sure I don't move off the ball. I don't want to be complicated with a million different other thoughts because all my issues come when I move off the ball. Is it a move? Is it an upper body sway or is it a lower body? lower body? Which is even worse. It's yeah. a lower body sway. Yeah, those are. But like I can I can feel it. Like I I can feel when I planted that right foot. And, you know, the, I put my weight on the inside of my right heel. I can feel like when I post up that right leg, but sometimes I don't feel it. That's when the bad swing happens. Well, you know, when you, when you have a sway, like a lower body sway, if it's, if it's not countered with the spine reversing too much to the left, like if your spine's just kind of neutral and that, those are easy to fix. But if, if you're swaying and your spine's leaning reverse hard to the left, that's when I probably will pass you off to someone else because that's a, that's a much harder fix. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's that's you know, welcome to welcome to tennis. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's get into a little rapid fire here. You ready for this? I'm going to Sure. I'm going to throw some questions at you here and um get some insight here on Trey Wingo. Favorite golf course you've ever played? <sighs> well, I I'm going to default and say Cypress because it's just so special. Um but there's a couple that I play with much more regularity and they're just amazing um uh, lanai golf it used to be the challenge at manelli's jack nicholas course mm -hmm. on the island of lanai it's absolutely stunning bill gates got married on the 10th 12th hole there it's a par three almost had a hole in one on that hole with the pro it went right over the cup and he looked at me and he said if that had gone in i'd have never heard the end of it so i'm <laughs> glad it didn't go in so that one would be way up there as well uh but but cypress is just cypress uh, yeah. now that being said uh I that, even though I played several rounds there with Eamon, this is still one of my uh, favorite places in the world, huh. Cabot Cliffs oh, yeah. In, in, yeah. in Nova Scotia. It's just stunning, and uh, it's just amazing. Well, if you're making down here to Ponte Vedra, we'll, we'll get on the stadium course. Uh, have played it. Sawgrass. You have. Loved it, yes. And uh, I, 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 may, I actually hit the green on 17, right. but I did not make a three. So we'll just leave it at that. We had um, Chad Ochocinco was here um, really? over the weekend, and he did a little thing on 17 and attempted to hit the grand. I'm not sure he did, but, um, yeah. yeah, he was here. He was uh, partaking a little bit of golf. What's your, uh, what's your favorite club in your bag, Trey? Well, that's really interesting, right, because a really good golfer would probably say – a wedge or an eight iron that they know they can handle. Mine is my four hybrid. Nice. And I don't know. I don't know why, but that little four, whenever I have a shot that's between 195 and 210, I am more confident pulling out that club than any other club in my bag. And I know that sounds crazy. I mean, you, you know, normally you think, okay, maybe it's your driver because you know you can overpower everything, or maybe it's a it's an iron that you have dialed into an exact distance when you're in your scoring irons, you know, seven, eight, nine pitching wedge, whatever. 
that little hybrid for me, I have more confidence with that club in my hand than any other club. Nice. What's the uh, what's the bad one? The worst. Well, there's all of them. <laughs> I mean, you know, my, my biggest my my biggest thing obviously would be my my iron play okay. because my my short game is okay. I, you know, I I'm okay with putts. I mean, I'm not I'm not a great putter, but my putting isn't the thing that's holding me back. The thing that holds me back is my inability to consistently hit greens because you can get away with a little sway on the tee. You really can't get away with a sway in your iron game, mm. and and that's that's the issue with my game. I like I make a lot of pars that nobody should make because I can chip okay, but I can chip okay because I miss a lot of greens. Yeah, you know. So my my thing is I I would say just the the worst club in my bag would be when my when the sway comes in on my irons. Those those are my issues. Who do you want to win the Super Bowl? Well, I predicted the Chiefs would repeat for the first time since the Patriots did it in Super Bowl thirty eight thirty nine. So I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I had the Chiefs over the Saints when the season began, and I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, right yeah, you're sitting pretty good. What uh, What do the Seahawks need to improve to to get up to the Saints level? Defense, pass defense. It's really simple. Yeah. You know, I mean, Russell is on a short list of MVP. It's amazing that he's never received a single MVP vote in any year. That's a that's a crime. I, I that I believe that will change this year. Although I don't think he will win. But their defense is dead last. Their pass defense is dead last. I mean, that's, it's, it's just, sometimes it's just that simple. Yep. Their pass defense is dead last. They've got to find a better way uh, to shore up that pass defense. Uh, you know, he has weapons. He has the best weapons, I believe, around him at the wide receiver position. They have somewhat of a pretty decent depth at running back. Um, obviously, uh, they have some tight end issues right now, but uh, I, I think that, I think that they're good enough to get there. I just don't think they're good enough to beat any of those teams that we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You LeBron or MJ, which one? Well, you know, you grow up a certain era, you become sort of adopted to that era. I've, I've always believed that Michael Jordan is the greatest player I've ever seen. However, now that LeBron has won four for three different franchises, he's in a different conversation, right? Because Jordan was Jordan with the Bulls and with Scottie Pippen at case closed, you know, end of story. And like a really good cornerback in the NFL travels. Like some cornerbacks, oh, I'll just line up on the right side. I'll line up on the left side. No, but the best corners, where's the number one wide receiver? We're putting you on him. And I bring that analogy up because it doesn't matter. He travels wherever that guy goes. And LeBron's game travels. He can win with J.R. Smith in Cleveland. He can win with Dwayne Wade in Miami. And he can win with Anthony Davis in L.A. Um, and and at, the, at a very, very advanced age, uh, you know, 19 years in, into his career, he was able to do those things. And the thing that I think people have a hard time with LeBron is that Michael, and you certainly saw that on display in the, you know, in the, in the documentary this summer, The Last Dance, um, it was all about Michael, and Michael was going to do whatever he needed to get there and make sure that everything ran through him, even though he did pass off a couple of times for championship buckets to Kerr and Paxson. But LeBron's game has always been different. I'm going to get mine but I'm going to make sure you get yours as well. And he may end up as the leading scorer in the NBA. He'll probably be one, two, or three when it's all said and yeah. done. He's also in the top 10 in assists. Jeez. There's not another top 10 scoring guy in NBA history that's even in the top 30 in assists. And that's the thing that people need to appreciate about LeBron is that he is doing it a different way and is still doing it in an extremely effective way and in a way that wins championships. So while I will always look at Jordan – because of that thing that I saw, I can't unacknowledge the way that LeBron is doing it. That might be even better because of the versatility. Yeah, and then you got to think about MJ on the defensive side, right? I mean, he yeah. was just so 
dominant and it was but i mean like it's a different game like people always say well okay who would win the warriors when they were at their peak or the bulls and my first question is well what rules are we playing by yeah because in the 90s you could basically beat the crap out of somebody if you wanted to these days you can't touch them uh now the other part of that is okay you can't hit what you can't catch and clearly you know when they were right with clay and and steph and kd they were a faster team than the bulls would ever have played but you know the bulls would have tried to beat them up yeah last question got to fill out your foursome here who's gonna who's gonna be in it the dream foursome i know what i mean eamon can't be in it because he wouldn't finish the round uh, no he'd caddy for me so he he'd would caddy. caddy okay so he, he would be, be your caddy, caddy. and you know, I, I, I think about this all the time okay because uh, you get this question asked a lot obviously i've never played with tiger that would be great i'd love to play around with tiger um the other ones would probably just be friends of mine you know that just i know that i have a blast on the golf course uh you know um I'd, I'd like to play with Peyton because I think he'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's always chopping it up and, and pretty funny. By the way, I, I was hoping that in the recent match that they played with Charles and, and Phil and Peyton and Steph, I hope that Phil got paid by the word because, <laughs> my God, stop talking for one second, right? I, I, I was like in the seventh hole, he's like, my earbuds just went out. I was like, that's because you've talked for two hours straight. Give it a rest, man. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> you know? Like, like Phil, I don't think I'd want to play with because it's just like at some point you go, shut up. Yeah. Just stop. You know? Hey, Ty, I, Charles, come on, I want you to see something here. Now, you see how this light green here on the screen is like, oh, my God. Like, it worked, obviously, and he coached him up. But, like, I, I would wear earplugs if I was playing with Phil. You know, the underlining theme of that for me was was the, obviously, Charles and, and Phil were the underdogs. But... Yeah. I, I think like the respect that were they really Steph Curry was getting with his game and Peyton yeah. played good before and like Phil was looking at it like I'm going to show you guys the difference between a scratch golfer you're a hundred percent right and a professional golfer and and yeah. I I could sense it going in and Phil was focused in every oh. capacity and he showed how big the gap is no it's not even close and if we're being honest about it the kid that played worst and all that was Steph. Because right. he was a plus one, right? Wasn't that his handicap? He's a plus yeah. one. Yeah. He played like an eight. Yeah. He played no, he like did. an eight. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that that's why that match swung the way it did, because you know, Peyton played okay and Charles was Charles. But for, for them to have a chance, I, 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 I'm with you. I thought it was kind of funny that two non professional golfers were favored over a professional right. golfer. And it's like John McEnroe could beat me in tennis with a frying pan. <laughs> You know what I mean? He didn't need the equipment. He just was better, you know? And so I was looking at that and really fills the underdog here, no matter who he's playing with. All right, well, go with God with that. I wish you all the best. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I could, I just could sense it coming too. Cause you know, I mean, I could just sense Phil was like, okay, you guys are going to, now you've really got my attention, you know, because, exactly. because you really want to do this. You really want to do <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So he went out and, and, and let it happen. Well, Trey, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I know you're busy. you got so much stuff going on. I can't wait to listen um, to this new podcast. It's called Half Forgotten History. Where can my listeners uh, go and find this? You can get it on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, uh, my Facebook page, Instagram, uh, Twitter, wherever you get your podcast, it'll be there. All right, Trey, have a great week. Best of luck with the podcast, and um, maybe we'll tee it up uh, here soon.